0: Thanks for joining us and supporting Vickydo Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness Premium Member. Go to www.vickiedoefitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vickiedoefitness.com forward slash join and register for a six dollar monthly subscription. And remember. Keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about cancer and the life-changing stories that can be told by all of us who are dealing with it or those of us who know someone that may be suffering from this disease. We can talk about the cancer, the disease itself, but it seems to be very difficult to sit and have a conversation about the trauma and the emotional chaos that cancer can cause. Joining us is David Richman, the author of his new book, Cycle of Lives in which he takes us into the lives of 15 individuals and tell their life stories, their trials and triumphs as they are dealing with cancer. He hopes that we may somehow be inspired by their truths. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright.
1: Hi, Vicky. How are you?
0: What is going on today?
1: <laughs> oh, Lord, everything. <laughs> and I say everything.
0: Everything. It is at least, what, sunny.
1: Y- you know what? The weather was, you noticed know, that today, too. The weather was really kind of nice.
0: Yes, it is. It's nice, and it's not cold. It's very nice temperature.
1: Oh. No. I'm loving it. No.
0: I am loving you it yes 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 we shall see what the end is yeah. gonna be what they say we gonna see what the end is gonna be with we this day
1: shall see. that's it we
0: shall see, we shall see. <laughs> today we talk about cancer and the life-changing stories that can be told by those who are dealing with it those who are survivors and even those who have close connections with those who are suffering from this disease. Now, according to the NIH, as of 2020, the estimated new cancer cases are 1,806,590, right? The estimated deaths from cancer in 2020, 606,520, So 606,000. All right. The five-year survival rate was 67.4% from the years 2010 to 2016. Approximately 39.5% of men and women will be diagnosed with cancer of any site at some point during their lifetime based on the 2015-2017 data. In 2017, there were an estimated um, 15,760,939 people living with cancer of any site in the United States. But there is good news. The rate of cancer deaths in the U.S. is going down due to early detection, research, um, new medical treatment, and lifestyle Healthy habit change. And so joining us is David Richmond, an author, athlete, and public speaker who will not only talk about his new book, Cycle of Lives, which presents um, 15 real life stories of the trials and triumphs of folks who were and are dealing with cancer, but he will also share with us his story and inspiration that led him. To write a book that focuses on life changing stories from people with cancer. And so we can't wait to hear from him later on in this show, right, Dee?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yes, indeed. Folks, make sure you go. And check out our Vicky Doe Fitness health and wellness website, vickydoefitness.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter email list to receive the updates about our new health wellness webinar trainings and online programs. Right now, we are showcasing our step by step weight loss bootcamp masterclass online health and wellness program. It is a 12-week comprehensive weight loss program, but also while you are there on the site, you can sign up for our personal health and wellness webinar training, Get Back to Healthy Living. Now, these health and wellness programs are there for you to participate in and to get that healthy transformation that you have always wanted. And so I want to encourage all of you to go and check out those programs so that you can start living healthy today. It's never too late. And we are there for you, the health experts, myself. We are there to help you. We are here to help you achieve your healthy living goals. And so I encourage you to take that step. Go directly to vikidoefitness.com forward slash training if you want to learn even more information about our Vickie Fitness online health wellness training programs. And so I can't wait to meet you and to work with you. And as always, Dee, what do we always say?
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Well, Dee, I was cracking up. The other day, because I was thinking about you and how you always used to tease the Doe family about all our decorations <laughs> and things. Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: yes.
0: Ah, uh, yes. We have on the lawn, but we must have taken a sabbatical from the lawn. <laughs> we must have taken a break.
1: I- I haven't seen anything. It I is, haven't seen anything. It
0: is bare out there. It is, there is nothing. There's nothing out there. No pumpkin, no nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I th- I'm i
1: just like, whoa.
0: Right. But I know why. Because Dr. Doe, my honey sweet, he too busy. He too busy right now to I even be thinking he, about that. He can't
1: possibly put anything up. I <laughs> See how busy he is in the hospital
0: absolutely right and so you know i ain't yeah. saying nothing i'm not saying nothing you know no reminders i'm i'm quiet as a mouse <laughs> you
1: mean i'm not gonna see any pilgrims <laughs> out there and no church oh, shut
0: you ain't seeing <laughs> nothing uh-uh, uh-uh. no turkeys oh my goodness uh,
1: nothing
0: nothing and so yeah, you know, Christmas is coming. It's November, Christmas yeah. is coming.
1: They already have Christmas stuff out. I was at Rite Aid the other day. And all no, dollar store. Dollar store is packed. Mm hmm. Stuff.
0: With with Christmas yeah. stuff. With, so uh, there it is. With Christmas stuff, okay. But yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah.
0: so I might I might I might get off sabbatical and decorate this Christmas, but we'll see.
1: Well, that'll be. I might do it too. I need an uplift. That's what I was thinking too. I was looking at some stuff, trying to figure out what to do. But you know, I'm kind of like, I didn't take my Christmas lights from last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. So (laughs) Christmas lights, all I have to do is plug them in.
0: (laughs) That's it. All you do is plug your lights in, don't you? Oh,
1: that's funny.
0: You around the year lights.
1: Uh, too. I know,
0: I know. But how was your week, Dee? Then,
1: well, I was busy, you know, I was on call last week, a uh, lot of patients, a lot of COVID patients. So, that's really all I did last weekend.
0: Yeah, so you were working oh, hard. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh
1: huh. Yeah,
0: well, we appreciate, I always say that, we appreciate what you and all of the healthcare workers are doing out there, frontliners all of that we appreciate all that you well, do
1: you're so welcome yes are yes yes so, welcome.
0: Mm-hmm. so what is going on this week
1: well <laughs> everything
0: <laughs> everything and
1: everything and, na- and some
0: right and we just what we say we just here and waiting that's all we doing today we waiting <laughs> Patience is exactly. a virtue. Just
1: patiently waiting. I have packed a pound of patience.
0: That's it. Patience. Well, yep. we will move on. The actor Sean Connery. He died at age 90.
1: No. The end of an era.
0: The end of an era. And he the was the end
1: of an era.
0: He lived in Bahamas. And so they were just putting news. Um, out there it was october the 31st that he died and he died in his sleep they're saying either late friday or early saturday and so his wife said that he had struggled with dementia but yeah
1: yeah i heard that i i i read that that's so sad that's what are uh, the original
0: James Bond, right?
1: No, James Bond
0: 007, Yeah. 007. Yes.
1: And he's he the played, an
0: yes, and he played in other movies as well. The what was it, the Untouchables? He was just such a uh,
1: yeah, and he was in Indiana Jones, he was one of in one yes, of Indiana Jones. yes, you know, movies with uh Harrison Ford, yes,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't know. He I I love I love um, watching James Bond 007 with him and Roger Moore. Remember? Mm -hmm. Uh Those were my favorite 007. But yeah. So, yeah, he passed away. That's, you know, that's the end of that era of James Bond. And I don't know with with any of them, with the way we are in the pandemic they were trying to come out with a new James Bond, but I don't know when Yeah, I
1: read something about that, but I think probably that's all on hold now, don't you? Yeah,
0: yeah. A lot of stuff is on hold now. So Yeah, yeah. So we shall see. Well, you know, every episode we try to leave with a health tip. Today I was looking at this uh <laughs> because I said, you know what, we are stressing out. You know, and here's something very serious, too. When I was talking with the students at the university, you know, they were I always have like a, even before I start my lectures, hey, I'm doing a wellness check. How are you guys doing? And I will just, you know, spend some time talking and see what's uh-huh. going on. And it's uh-huh. it's very interesting how these are young folks, how they're really stressing out. These young folks are stressing yeah.
1: out. yeah. That's so sad, um, but you know they've got the stress of school, and on top of this, you know, but first of all, it's the stress of the unknown.
0: That's what it is.
1: You know, the stress of the unknown.
0: It was very, yeah. It's very interesting to see that, yeah. and and they would tell me, you know, you know why they're stressing out and all that. The the students are stressing out, and so I know all of us are. are maybe under some some type of stress, just because of, you know, what we're living through at this point, the pandemic, you know, dealing with the election, and all other things that we're dealing with now. And so that's why I thought it was very timely. This was in the CNN, written by Stephanie. And she was talking about how that with all the stress going on, folks are not sleeping well. They're having insomnia. So she was talking about yoga. And so the name of this is yoga. The article talks about yoga for stress-related insomnia. The question is asked, are you finding yourself tossing and turning in the middle of night, unable to stay asleep? Or maybe you've always struggled with falling asleep, but now It's taking hours instead of 30 minutes for shut-eye to kick in. So with a high-stress environment caused by the, the pandemic, the U.S. presidential election, and a world constantly evolving with debates and quarantine rules, it's no wonder why many people are suffering from insomnia. The definition of insomnia is persistent difficulty with sleep initiation, duration, consolidation, or quality. And that's according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. And I know this battle all too well. This is what Stephanie is saying as she's writing this article. Prior to becoming a certified yoga instructor and health coach, this is what she said. I had my own struggles with insomnia and was on sleep medication. Determined to change my habits and improve my sleep, I took up a yoga class on a whim after a recommendation from a friend. It was a weekly class that focused on slow, deep breathing, self-acceptance, and connecting breath with movement. After two months of doing the class, I no longer needed my sleeping medication to fall asleep. It was as if my insomnia was cured so to speak. It has been almost 20 years since I started my yoga practice. Insomnia, however, has crept its way back at different points in my life. This reminds me to recommit to my yoga practice and deep breathing as I had experienced its transformative results firsthand. In fact, a regular yoga routine helps with not only insomnia, but also improved total sleep time and sleep ethic, um, efficiency, according to a research. Perhaps you're a skeptic on yoga or you don't know where to begin. I designed this insomnia yoga routine just for you to focus on poses that bring inward calm to your nervous system and allow your body to relax Whether you do this routine right before bed, during the day or in the morning, a regular practice is what's most important in order to help with insomnia. And so she has a few of the poses that folks should go back to. Um, The article is yoga for stress-related insomnia. And so she ends and says that breath work and mindfulness is also a major part of This yoga routine breathing is through the nose and out through the nose, and it helps calm the nervous system. As you hold each yoga pose, think of breathing in and filling your body up with air and breathing out to release deeper into the pose. This mindful attention to your body and to your breath, studies have shown, helps improve sleep too. And so, yes, I got to, I've been um, slacking a little bit, but yes, I better get back to my yoga poses and just, you know, if, if people don't want to do yoga, just sit there and do some deep breathing. What do you think, Dee? Exactly.
1: It's a meditation. Just meditate. Yes. Breath.
0: Deep breath. 15 minutes, you know, yeah. quiet time, right?
1: Right. Exactly. Just quiet time. That's what we need. Some quiet time.
0: Quiet time. So what's the latest, Dee?
1: Well, you know, this past week here in Ohio, we had one of the largest numbers of cases. I think we were at like about almost five thousand cases for one day, which is really putting right now a tremendous burden on the hospital system, with you know, on the healthcare workers, the increased PPEs, and and all of that. So I, I just, you know, I don't think there's going to be another shutdown because there would probably be a mutiny in this country. But I think you don't have to be told to self quarantine or to stay shelter in place rather and wash your hands and social distance i just think that everybody needs to heed that because the science is what it is and there is a vaccine coming there's a vaccine okay. coming now we have to wait and see what that well, we know it's going to be efficacious but we need to see what the safety data says but if we could just hold on and do those things that science tells us to do i think we can get some of these numbers down before we get a vaccine
0: yes I think so, too. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site, and online programs and services, go to VickyDoFitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we're talking about cancer and the life-changing stories that can be told by those who are dealing with this disease. We have joining us, David Richmond, who was compelled to write his book, Cycle of Lives, which shares 15 people's personal stories of their victories, and even their defeats as they deal with the emotional trauma of cancer. Their stories can and may be uplifting for you. Let's listen to our interview with David Richman. Here with us today is David Richman, an entrepreneur, author, public speaker, athlete, and philanthropist who uses the lessons learned in his life to enrich and inspire others. David describes himself as a former sedentary overweight smoker who came to the realization that he needed to focus not on what others wanted out of him, but on what he wanted out of life. Now, with his first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, David discusses how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined. Now today, David will share the interconnected stories of others overcoming obstacles, specifically cancer, by discussing his second book, Cycle of Lives, and what inspired and motivated him to write it. The book presents 15 real stories of trials and triumphs as well as the victories and defeats. So, David, how are you today?
2: <laughs> I am great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be here and talking to you both. Very excited.
1: Yeah, we're very excited to have you.
0: And so, David, can you share with us your story and what compelled you to write your new book, Cycle of Lives?
2: Uh, what happened was... The, the idea for this book came along when uh, I had made a deal with my sister. My sister was diagnosed with terminal uh, cancer, brain cancer, and she had a group of people that were supporting her, and they were going to get ready to do a cycle of life, I mean, a, uh, a Relay for Life. It, it's, I don't know if you're, you're, you're yes. familiar, your listeners are familiar yes. with that. Yes, uh-huh. we that,
1: have that you know, in one of in
2: Yeah, so you get a... Um, a group of people together and there's ton, you know, tons of people get, get together and they, they walk around a track, usually at a high school or park or something like that for, for 24 hours and raise awareness for and funds for uh, the cancer community. It's a really wonderful event. And right before that was to take place, my sister passed away, but she said to me that she had intended to be there for the whole 24 hours to root her team on. And I told her, well, if you're going to be out there for the whole 24 hours rooting the team, then I'll be running around the track for the whole 24 hours. And so I had I had the opportunity to be on that track for 24 hours. And I realized they don't really deal with the emotions. And I noticed that people were open to talking about how to navigate the healthcare care system, how they're going to get uh, meals from their friends to take, you know, for their kids, why they're getting treatment how to navigate insurance, how to get time off of work. They were really good about those kind of things, but they weren't really good about talking about the emotions of cancer. And so what I did was every year after she died, I did another one of these ridiculous endurance events. Like I ran a hundred miles or mm-hmm. I you know, did like a, a 500 mile bike ride or whatever. And I raised money and awareness for, for cancer research in the center that took care of her and I kept running into that same theme. And whether I was talking to doctors or nurses or even executives in the medical space, loved ones, survivors, people who lost a child, people that lost a parent, loved one, whatever, that same theme came up, is that they just had difficulty dealing with the emotions and even talking about it. And so I decided that I would try to gather as many interesting stories as I could Mm -hmm. and really interview these people and dive deep into their uh, respective uh, backgrounds, you know, like what kind of traumas did they have in their life, like suicide and drug abuse, abandonment, you know, physical abuse, those kind of things. And how, because I think we can all identify that everybody has traumas that affect their lifestyle.
0: Oh, big time. The way
2: that they deal with things,
0: right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And then in relation to their cancer journey, how did those things affect their emotions, and how did they process it? How, how did they deal with their emotions? And I thought that by bringing these stories to people uh, that we could all relate to and that we could understand how people did or didn't process the emotions behind it, or kind of what were some of the highlights and lowlights of their cancer journeys, that we might be able to start the conversations about emotions that nobody's really willing to have. So uh, my goal in in, in writing this book mm-hmm. was to provide this insight so we could all learn how to talk to each other about the emotional side of this thing better.
1: So I can't imagine how, maybe and maybe I missed it during your foreword or somewhere, how many people did you interview all together? Did I miss that to come down to 15? Well, I, you know, I, that's a great
2: question, and it, it was interesting because because I talked to a lot of people, right? Uh huh. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, and he, here's what here's what happened is is one either they weren't willing to talk about the things when we got super deep, okay, right? Because they just ha- they just weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. talk about and which is understandable right that just that's just happened so uh, th- that that happened then there were some people who frankly the the emotional journey that they took was too similar to other people's emotional journey and i thought i needed to bring a diversity of opinion and a diversity of background and a diversity of emotion because everybody not er, there's not a million ways to deal with things
3: mm-hmm. there
2: certainly are a hundred ways or 20 ways that we process emotions, right? We don't, there's not a million, there's not a million reactions you could have. There's only a couple of dozen. So I had to make sure Mm -hmm. that they were diverse, right? Mm -hmm. And I wanted people of of different ages and uh, different circumstances. And so I interviewed dozens and dozens and dozens of people, but it really came down to who had the most interesting stories, Mm -hmm. the most moving stories the most that we could relate to, that I think we could relate to and who had the most, you know, like did did I cover a full spectrum of emotions, ages, types of cancer, different parts of the country, different ages, different severity, you know, were they like one and done and it had no big Uh effect on them. Or had they lived with cancer for 35 years? Mm-hmm. You know, so I wanted the, just this wide range. So it kind of just filtered down to these 15 people because I felt like I covered a really wide spectrum of of those of those factors.
0: Yes, and when I looked in the book at first, okay, first let me really confess. When I first picked up the book, I said, okay, let me let me get ready because this might be uh, kind of depressing. I don't know if I can take it, but as I open up, I loved how for each of the people, like for instance, right here you say Karen, and then you talk about the relation you listed relationship to cancer, survivor, advocate, you know, her age, and then the family, and then the summer, you know, you, you give a little spill about everyone at the beginning before you dive in, and it makes it it makes it more interesting. And I can kind of go back to that, that like profile and go, oh, okay, so that's why they felt this way maybe because of their environment and influencing them. So I really liked how you did that.
2: Well, thank you, doctor. And one of the things is that I wanted to let people know is that, of course, cancer is a heavy subject, right? And as, as are a lot of things are heavy subjects. But not every heavy subject has to be depressing and bring us down and just be overbearing to us, right? We all have to deal with heavy things, but how we deal with them, kind of, we have some control over that. Mm -hmm. So even though some people, you know, we would look at them and go, oh my gosh, you know, imagine the the nonsense you've been through and and the negativity and how bad you must feel about it. And meanwhile, they are just going through what they're going through. And they're figuring out a way to wake up the next day and see, and see the beauty in, in what they're going through. And sometimes these stories are very uplifting
3: mm-hmm.
2: Um, mm-hmm. And, and can teach us, uh, like I'll just tell you one, one uh, touching story is there's, there's a lady in the book who has cancer five different times, right? Her oncologist says, you've been in my practice longer than I've been in my practice. Mm. Right? Because she's had every kind of cancer you could imagine. In fact, she got used to just walking into the doctor's office and say, just cut out whatever it is. I don't need it anymore. So, so every, right, everything's been cut out of her. But she said something to me that was just absolutely stunning. She said to me, she goes, she goes I, I'm, I might not have got out of bed every day. She said, but every day that I got out of bed, She goes, I made my bed, and I went about my day. Now, sometimes I was only able to get out of bed for a few minutes, and sometimes I was able to get out of bed for the whole day. But one thing's for sure, every morning when I get up, I make my bed because I'm hopeful that I'm not going to come back to it for a long time. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, that is a great lesson, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a positive outlet from somebody who had to deal with so much negativity, so I think there's a lot of very inspiring things mm-hmm. and very uplifting things, and so yeah, I can, I can, I, I, I do believe that stories are, are are very emotional and can move people. Mm-hmm. But, but certainly, they're they're uh, uplifting some of the stories as well.
1: For me, you know, I have to confess also <laughs> that it it really brought me down to a certain extent only because it would be interesting to talk to people who are reading your book at various stages of their lives. For example, you know, a young person, maybe a young physician, let's say coming out of their practice, reading this and so forth. But for me, you know, I've been in practice for however many years and I'm on that other side of the bell shaped curve for Mm -hmm. every chapter. I had every diagnosis that every person had in your book. But but what for me was, was helpful was that each one of them found a silver lining to deal with whatever it was, whichever cancer they had or whichever family member they had. Mm-hmm. So you kind of bring it around. You, you don't let us stay in the muck and mire too long without helping us find some silver lining. I mean, did you did you intentionally do that, or did this just kind of evolve? Uh, you know, when you were writing, a great this?
2: question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great question. And I think what I did was like some of the stories are around loss, right? So it's mm-hmm. just how did the person process that loss? So there isn't like a looking forward aspect to it. It's a how do you process it aspect. Mm-hmm. But I didn't set out to make the story kind of let's get past the, the negativity and move on. What I tried to do with each story. Was and the written first person. So as the author, I'm not in each story. Now in between each story is a is a little detail about my bike ride because I yeah of writing at the end of interviewing people, I got on my bike and I biked 5,000 miles in 45 days so that I could meet most of the people that I had been talking to. I hadn't met them in person, Mm -hmm. and so that part of it, you know, kind of let me end each story, but I certainly didn't write each story with the intention of of putting a silver lining on it. Mm -hmm. It's just what what I try to do is I try to get really, really deep with these people and let them really give me everything. And it was like a two, sometimes a three-year period of, of talking to them. And that eventually allowed us to get kind of further along the path. And when we first started, right? Because mm-hmm. when you, like with, with, with Karen, you had mentioned Karen. Mm-hmm. The very first time I spoke to her was right before she was going to go in for surgery to have a double mastectomy. And uh, she had been just recently diagnosed with, with stage three breast cancer. Mm-hmm. She had a very, very different emotional outlook. And her, her, you know, talking to her was very different then than it was two years later.
1: Okay. When mm-hmm. she had gotten
2: past her surgery, she had finished her chemo, she had finished her radiation, she had had reconstructive surgery, she um, she had beaten in, in the cancer, mm-hmm. and she had moved on in her life, her, her re- relation, personal relationships had evolved, so much positive stuff had happened since the first time I talked to her, and so there just was naturally that silver lining, so some of the stories... Because they're able to move forward, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're mm-hmm. getting the benefit of, of of getting further away from the trauma, and that's kind of what I wanted to bring to the story. Is each story is you know how do they process it? What's the what what do they go through? So when mm-hmm. when when a reader is thinking about oh my gosh, you know what my my friend just told my friend at work just told me her son was diagnosed with cancer, or my my girlfriend just told me that her her mother. It got diagnosed with cancer, or I have a friend that might be going through something difficult, I don't know how to talk to him, that when these things happen, mm-hmm. that maybe we understand how better to communicate with them.
0: Okay, so do you think the um, participants' lives were affected by you calling them and, and really talking to them? Do you think you helped them, you know, along the journey?
2: Yeah, Doc, I think I did. Uh-huh. Uh, not with everybody.
0: but right? okay. Some people... Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Some people no. Yeah. Some people it was a little more sterile. The conversations were a little more sterile. Uh-huh. But with even though we got really deep and personal, right? There still was a, a little bit of uh, sterileness. But yeah. With several uh, of the book participants, I would say yes, and that was a gift to me. Okay. Because you know, I went in this trying to help the reader. Potential reader, I went in this a little bit to try to help myself because I wanted to learn how to process some of the stuff that I had gone through losing my sister and some other traumas that, you know, were, were parallel to traumas that they had. I was like, how, how did you deal with that? No, mm-hmm. you know, and so, so I learned a little bit, but there were a few people that I, I feel very fortunate that, that were because, you, you know, uh, the craziest thing is, is, is mm-hmm. all of them had two things in common,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: one thing in common was that that they they were willing to talk about anything anything anything, anything. like like i had no rules if if we got if, if you told me no i can't go there then we are we're done i have to go there okay so that was rule that was rule number 1 <laughs> you have to talk about anything okay and the, the second thing they had in common was that they did not they had to admit they hadn't processed their emotions they, oh. they just hadn't done it so by talking about anything Mm -hmm. And by now forcing them to process their emotions, some people did make some realizations and some discoveries about themselves that allowed them to benefit from our time together. And I'll give you one super quick example, if you don't mind. Go ahead. And that is a a gentleman who, he had been diagnosed with uh, with stage four cancer twice in his life, separated by about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And each time he was told, get your affairs in order because you're going to die, right? He knew that. And because as a young adult, he was told he was going to die, but didn't, Mm -hmm. he just always felt he was going to die. He just always felt he was. And so he didn't follow a very healthy path in life Mm
3: -hmm. because
2: he always had assumed that he was going to die. Then 10 years later, when he gets diagnosed again, Mm -hmm. he's told this time for sure you're going to die, get your stuff in order. And he didn't die. And he stayed on that bad path. And one night I was talking to him. I'll never forget this night. Mm -hmm. And and we were talking and he was getting really, really heavy. And he said, David, the whole thing is, is I have just my whole life been afraid to die. My whole life, I've just been afraid of it. And I said, Dominic, I got to tell you, after talking to you, I think that that you have your whole life been afraid to live because you think Mm. you're going to (laughs) die. You've just been afraid to live. And we we talked about that for a while and I think that changed his outlook a little bit because he decided after that that he was going to tell his kids what he had gone through, who he had become as a person, the things he was proud of and not so proud of. He was going to document some of the things for them that uh, that he, he, what he had always said he was going to do but never did, and he just started to have a different outlook, like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be afraid to live anymore. And I think that that, that was a gift to me, Okay. Uh, Because we were able to process that stuff, uh, uh, maybe it did have a good effect on
1: him, you know? David, I'm sitting here listening to you, and God forbid, God forbid, but do you think that now after this you'll be able to better handle, let's say, medical adversity, or will you fall apart like the rest of us?
2: I don't know. It's so funny. You know, one of the doctors that I talked to, I, I said, so what means you become an oncologist, really? She goes, karma. And I go, excuse me? She <laughs> goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, figure, I just figure by taking care of a bunch of people with cancer, I'll have the less chance of getting it myself. <laughs> <I> went, <laughs> 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 you know, that's so funny. So, yeah, uh, I would be a fraud if I did not tell you that my hope is that if I do encounter difficult times that I'll be able to pull from some of the lessons that I learned from these people too. I mean, I certainly feel that way. I've been close mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. for, for a lot of years because I've been working on this project for like five years. Okay, And so mm-hmm. um, I've been living really close to those lessons learned and, and I'm sure you know about with writing a book is when you write and you rewrite and you edit and you re-edit and mm-hmm. your editor comes back to you and says, tell me more, go deeper. You know, you come very, very, very familiar with your subject. Mm-hmm. In my case, I, I had to become, or was able to become, fortunately, a very familiar with these, with these people. And so I do think, I, yeah, I do, I do think that it has given me some, some much desired uh, perspective for sure.
1: This isn't about your book but mm-hmm. as a many former athlete you know runner mm-hmm. you many triathlons and all of that until i got lumbar stenosis i'm just uh, how did how did your body take this i mean i was looking at your bio and the huge
0: and the biking and all that yeah
1: done and biking and i know the training that goes into all of that marathons and the time that it takes how did your body stand up under all of this? I mean, I, I don't get it. I'm,
2: I'm, like a, I'm like Superman. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, what? I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that, but I'm going to tell you an answer. thats I'm, I'm talking to two very intelligent doctors, so this might come out sounding really stupid. But here, let, let me give you my, my idea on that. And that is that because I had been unathletic my whole life, I feel like I didn't break down my body early on in life, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I didn't start, yep. you know, I yep. didn't start doing this stuff yep. until I was yeah. in my 30s, my late 30s. Mm-hmm. And so,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I, th- I think that, that I didn't have the wear and tear that maybe mm-hmm. people might have had had they run track in school yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah. Mean, yeah, well, I still silly to say that. But. I,
1: I, no, I understand that because, I in. Mean, I, I didn't start running until my late 50s, early 60s, and I did get a good run out of it for about 10, 12 years before I developed some back issues, but I never had mm-hmm. the knee problems for all those things because everybody, even my orthopedic surgeon friend said, because I hadn't beaten myself up prior to that time.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, some of the stuff I've done, so thank you for making me not sound like an idiot. um, No. No. But but some of the stuff that I've done is kind of ridiculous. And, uh, like, I ran 105 miles straight. It took me 25 and a half hours, but I did it. Mm. I've run, you know, 24 hours multiple times, and I did this bike ride. I I think part of the reason is because another thing is is because if I wanted to do it, I just, like, I wanted to, It's like going to med school is good, but but actually becoming a doctor and passing your boards is is even better. And also building a sustainable practice is better. Having a meaningful effect on your patients is better. So Mm -hmm. if you you had rewound your life and said, hey, I would like to go to medical school, you definitely did not set your goals high enough because look at what you've done Mm -hmm. since then. And I think when it comes Mm -hmm. to athletics... I didn't want to just say I was a runner. I wanted to say, "Man, I like to run 100 miles." You know, and I mm-hmm. didn't want to just say, "Ooh, I like to be athletic." I was like, "Dude, I want to do some Ironmans. Like I want to mm-hmm. I want to bike across the country." So, I just mm-hmm. set my goals a little bit higher, and I think that, that that allowed me to accept the fact that it was going to hurt some.
0: Well, wow. biking is something, especially the the cross-country biking and so forth. So, kudos to you to be even yeah, talking, <laughs> talking with us, uh, no major injuries, or did you get any major injuries from um, your trip? You were okay?
2: Yeah, I'm totally fine. Thank you. It did take me a while to recoup, right? Because I just had some like deep, deep exhaustion mm-hmm. after, after doing that. I only took a few days off.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and mm-hmm. most days I was 12 to 14 hours of biking solid. So it took me a while to recoup, but no injuries. Thank goodness. And thank you for asking. And, and mostly, you know, I think um, because I had such a wonderful emotional journey mm-hmm. that, that, that I kind of didn't even focus on whether or not there was any pain.
0: Okay, I wow.
1: think kudos should also go to your wife because <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you touched on it in the book. But, you know, I think having been previously married to an artist, it kind of would be like, you were uh, you know, you had an obsession with this. And it seemed like there were times that she pulled you back. And I know you mentioned in the book there was that time she said you were crazy, you were beating yourself up. But I yep. think it takes a lot for a spouse to be able to support Someone like yourself who's doing something like you're doing the intensity of this book with the cancer patients, but also the endurance and the time that it takes. So that takes a lot of time away. I imagine it took a lot of time away from your marriage.
2: It did, and thank you for, for bringing that up because it, it was, and it was also with my kids growing up. So mm-hmm. so they were very uh, uh, supportive of it, and, and my wife was very and still is very supportive of these things, and it's really awesome. In fact, um, a couple of years ago, in the middle of writing the book, I convinced her to do an Ironman with me. So she, oh, wow. she trained for it and did <laughs> one herself. It was really, cool. it was really amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she she said, "All right, one and done," which is which is
1: I know sure. <laughs> you <know, I> <laughs> <that. laughs> right, you
2: understand that? Yeah. Oh right, yeah. like why why would you why would you want to put yourself through that?
1: Pain? <laughs> no,
2: right? I I don't know. <laughs> mm mm mm. Go ahead. My wife is super super smart. Right, she's an attorney and she's very very smart, and and I think because she. She says to herself she doesn't have an artistic bone in her body. I don't believe her, but I think she does. But she is very supportive of my endeavors because they're so opposite from what she's used to. And I'm very supportive of her endeavors because I'm not going to try to compete with her intelligence, you know.
0: Okay. Wow. Great. That sounds good.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So what are the two, three most important things that you've learned during your journey with this, this project?
2: Oof uh well i'll tell you one for sure right one one for sure is so i'm on my bike and i'm going i'm, I'm i have to move i have the motor every day right i mean mm-hmm. i have to get from point a to point b because all the um hotel rooms are donated and I'm i gotta be on a schedule and mm-hmm. i gotta get from place to place because i'm visiting the people and i'm visiting some cancer centers and hospitals and what what have you so but i did get to meet a lot of people i mean a lot of people Every time I had a flat tire, somebody stopped saying, hey, you need help, or you want to stop for food, what are you doing? So we just strike conversations. And every single day, Mm -hmm. every single day, I met multiple people that said, oh my gosh, I know somebody that's going through this, or I'm going through it, or I know somebody that went through it and I didn't know what to say to them. And I can't wait till your book comes out so I can learn how to better start tough conversations. So one thing for sure that I learned was that everybody, everybody has has had encounters with cancer and or some other kind of you know major trauma but certainly with cancer and they have that one thing in common where they wish they knew how to better talk to people about what they are that what what the, you know the other person or what they themselves are going through so that was certainly one thing I learned um, another thing I learned is that I was able to, my, my wife and I were able to make a decision that 100% of the net proceeds are going to support the cancer-focused charities that were chosen by each book participant.
1: Oh, wow. So
2: each, Yeah, so each book participant said, you know, this center or this charity means a lot to me. So
3: um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: what we did is with 15 of them, we just said, okay, each one of you, one-fifteenth of, of the profits are going to go to that center. Mm-hmm. So I think... What I've learned is, is that, is that it, it, people really identify with that and, and people have uh, felt really good about, about that because it's one thing to say that you're uh, doing good and then what's in it for me, it's another thing to say you're doing good and you're just trying to you know, raise money for other causes. So people have been very generous in their support. Okay. And uh, it, was, it was very, very touching. Many examples of, of it being so touching that the other thing I learned is that it doesn't matter who you are or what, what position you're in, people are compassionate and people are touched by uh, difficulties that others are going through and they, and they want to help. And that's a very uplifting thing, especially, I guess, in these days, day and ages mm-hmm. to know that. But, but I, it, just, it was just a recurring theme for me everybody was so generous and so supportive that it um, that was really moving.
0: Wow I am Thanks. glad that you wrote this book. I know people will get a lot out of reading your book and so I want you to tell folks um, how that they can get in touch with you and where can they go buy your book Amazon or where
2: yeah absolutely Amazon uh, Barnes and Noble, Walmart you know Apple wherever books are sold, they're they're available there. The book is called Cycle of Lives, mm-hmm. and also have a website cycleoflives.org. Okay. And uh, they can learn about the book. They could also see the list of uh, charities that are being supported and learn a little bit about me and the journey. And either either way is fine by me. Whether it's sold via my website, Amazon, or any place else, hundred percent of those those net proceeds are going to those charities. So. Yeah, if anybody feels that they can be touched by the book, then certainly um, would appreciate the support.
0: Yes, Outstanding. indeed. Yeah, so
1: anything else you want to add, Dee? No, I, well, this was a fabulous book. I know I'm going to continue to read it uh-huh. uh, and reread it. Like I said, um, it's different reading it when you're in at one point in, in time in your life as opposed to maybe when I was young and thought I was invincible. So. But I thank you for, for, for you know, for doing this.
0: Yes. Um, and
1: I'm going to promote as a physician, you know, you were talking about, I never wanted to do oncology when I was in, finished my training in the late 70s. And I never wanted to do oncology because I just never could deal with death and dying. And then AIDS came along. Mm-hmm. And I found myself doing what I didn't want to do, deal with death death and dying, which, of course, now is a whole other different disease. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, this mm-hmm. is, you know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey for me, but this has been great. I thank you so much for writing this. And, um, oh, yeah. you're
2: welcome. Will you, will you do me a favor, too? I think you're going to sure. super identify with Dr. Meyer's story. Mm-hmm. So okay. So near the end of the book, Dr. Meyer's, it's a... It's a
1: is that the curly-haired uh, doctor?
2: That's exactly. That's the curly-haired doctor. I think you're going to identify <laughs> with that because
1: I was, I was just kind of browsing Caught my eye.
2: Yeah, but she but her story is just really like um uh, like how has her perspective changed in dealing with her patients mm-hmm. now that she has 40 years in versus when uh-huh. she was, you know, a, a, a brand new. Mm-hmm. And, and I think yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I would love to hear cuz you sound like you yeah. have that same that same perspective. Yeah. I'd love to hear what your yeah. thoughts are.
1: I will. I will to keep in touch here, with
2: doctor. you, David. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you think about it.
0: Yes, yes. And so, yes, we are glad that you took the time to write the book. It seemed like it was a process, but we're glad that you went through that so that we can reap the benefits of the finished product, your book. And yes, this is inspiring. Hopefully, it will inspire our audience that are listening. And we are so glad that you came to talk with us, David.
2: (laughs) Yes, well, thank you for having me. It really has been a joy. You two are lovely, and I wish you much success with your podcast and everything else that you're doing. So thank you and um, definitely hope that you will stay in touch because I'm going to try to stay in touch too.
0: All right then and thank okay, you. Okay,
1: thanks David.
0: Now this is our show Dee so do you have some tips that we should think about?
1: You know this was a fantastic interview with David Richman. I thoroughly enjoyed interviewing him and listening to him you know his Story of the the journey that he took to talk to all these individuals who had been affected and affected by cancer was just poignant. Um, you know, as, as we were saying to him, our hat kudos to him for having the foresight to do this because everybody mm. knows somebody who has cancer or will be affected by it. God forbid. So mm-hmm. it was a great interview. It was one of our best. I
0: yes, think. I think so too. And and hopefully people will be inspired. Make sure you go look him up, David Richmond. Go to Amazon or where you get your books. His book is Cycle of Lives. And it's a it's a great book. And I'm still reading it. (laughs)
1: Me too.
0: Yes, I'm still reading it. Yes, yes, yes. And as always, for more information, go to our website, VickiDoughFitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicky Doe is owner of Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicky by email at info at vickiedoefitness.com.